Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush, and I am super excited about my guest today, Rebecca Wong. But before we get started, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you are surviving and maybe even thriving during the pandemic. It's got to be hard. I know it's hard for me. I hope that you are doing okay through all of this. If you'd like to get started on a meditation practice, you can find my, my meditation guide for worried women at womanwarriors.com. There is a link at the top of the page, and you can fill out the form there and get the guide. If you feel like you don't have time or your mind is too busy to meditate, this guide is for you. So sign up and get the guide. You can also get included in the newsletter at progressioncounseling.com where you will get updates on the podcast as well as my blog. Go to womanwarriors.com or progressioncounseling.com and there is a form at the bottom of the page to fill out for the newsletter. Today we're talking to Rebecca Wong. She is a licensed clinical social worker and a relationship therapist, mentor, and creator of the Connectfulness Method for Restoring the Connection to the Self, Others, and the World. Rebecca realizes that all the big things we struggle with, fear, imposter syndrome, not enoughness, you name it, all come back to the same thing, disconnection. And so, the Connectfulness Method was created to bypass the symptoms of disconnection and addressed the root cause, allowing you to work towards wholeness in all the areas of your life. Rebecca has been practicing psychotherapy for over 15 years. She maintains a private practice in New Paltz, New York, where she resides with her husband, their two tween daughters, and a slew of four-legged furry mischief makers. Rebecca's currently licensed in and works virtually with clients throughout New York, Colorado, and Massachusetts. She also mentors therapists, leads intensives, retreats, and workshops. She hosts the Connectfulness Practice Podcast and is a founding board member of the coronavirustherapy.org. You can learn more about her work at connectfulness.com and follow her on social media at Connectfulness. So let's get started with this conversation. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Biz. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm excited to have you back. I feel like there was a period of time where I felt like I talked to you pretty frequently. Yeah. And we haven't talked in such a long time. I know. I think we've both gotten really busy. I know. I know we have. And I see you through social media, but it's so nice to actually have a conversation. 
I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. So if you don't mind, if you could uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to do the work that you do. Mm, Sure. So I'm a relationship therapist. I live in New Paltz, New York, uh, which is about 90 miles north of Manhattan with my husband, our two girls, and a whole bunch of little furry four-legged creatures. Mm. (laughs) A lot of chaos around here. Um, And, you know, my practice is full of people who are learning how to be more relational with themselves, with their partners, um, with the world in general. Mm. I'm also a podcast host and recently got pulled into working on an amazing nonprofit project called Coronavirus Online Therapy. So amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're providing relief, um, short-term online therapy for uh, those on the front lines and essential workers. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I signed up and I'm a part of it. I think we've talked about that a little bit online, but really such a great resource. And um, as I said, I've already had people reaching out. So people are finding out about it and that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for being a part of it. Yeah. Oh, I'm just honored to be able to help however I can because I have friends who, you know, I used to work in a hospital, so I have friends who are there doing it and uh, I know how stressful and hard this is. Incredibly hard. Yeah. Yeah. For all of us. Yes. 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 So today I would love to explore um, how you know, sheltering in place, or even if you're not just the virus being out there, Mm -hmm. how that's impacting relationships and, Mm. you know, just what you're seeing. Yeah. You know, um, on, on my connectfulness practice podcast, I, one of my guests and I recently talked about this and, um, her name's, her name is Jules Shore. Mm. And, She's a psychotherapist out of Austin, Texas. And what we talked about were how, were how our protective parts are all turned on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that um, we all have these parts within ourselves that we might not even think about on a day-to-day basis, but their job throughout our life has been to keep us safe. Hmm. And right now in a world where we can't really see the thing that's so scary for so many of us, mm-hmm. what's happening is that our implicit memory bank is kind of scanning the world and saying, okay, well, I know there's a danger here. I can't pinpoint exactly where it is, but this intimate relationship feels really familiar and intimate relationships are dangerous mm. in my memory bank. Hmm. And so we're off and running. Old wow. issues become bigger. Oh my gosh. I can tell you, I I am so in that place, I must admit. Well, and so the implicit memory is that unconscious memory of a traumatic experience, potentially something dangerous that happened another time in your life, right? Am I phrasing that correctly? Or you tell us what that implicit, what, what implicit memory means in this context. Yeah. So the implicit memory is kind of, it's all the stuff that you've stored away that tells you, you know, this is how I get by. This is how I survive. I don't have to remember all these little things on a daily basis. I don't have to remember how to walk. I don't have to remember what grass feels like under my bare feet. I just kind of know these things because if I had to sit back and discover them for the first time every time, I'd I'd get overwhelmed and I, I would be walking around like a toddler. (laughs) 
<laughs> I get that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, the explicit memory is more like the things that I have to learn. Like, um, I know that the war of 1812 happened in 1812 and I don't know that because I lived through it. Right. 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 Um, it's, it's a piece of information that I gathered through, um, maybe through lived experience, but certainly through my learnings or through, through learning. Mm -hmm. The implicit memory is more, it's, it's kind of hardwired in there. Mm. Um, and it's just kind of showing up and activating itself Yeah, in these moments when, you know, we're not even really consciously aware that it's happening. Yeah. And so if some of that implicit memory is stuff we learned around safety and Mm -hmm. the world being a safe, whether this, I can trust whether the world is a safe place, those memories can be being triggered, are being triggered right now because of this invisible threat. Yeah. And I think for so many of us, you know, our first understanding of safety in the world happens in the intimate relationships of the family that we grow up in. Yes. And so intimate relationships become the foci. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're in that space of like, this doesn't feel safe or I can't trust this relationship where in the past it's been great or whatever, you've, you've worked through those things, but Mm -hmm. now they're bubbling up to the surface again. Um, What are you that? Yeah. How do you deal with it? But also what are you seeing? What are people coming to you saying like, this is something I'm struggling with in this, you know, are there relationship issues that you're seeing more, you know, in a more present way than you might have six months ago? Yeah. What I'm seeing more and more in my office are couples coming in on the brink of divorce. Mm, Wow. Um, Wow. More and more. And and this is, it's not just couples, it's individuals too. So individuals are calling me right now and saying, I don't really think I want to do relationship therapy, but I know I want to do this work and I'm pretty sure I want to leave my relationship, but I want to check in about that and just make sure I'm doing the right thing. And couples are calling at least with one partner saying something very similar to that. Mm, So really very like on the edge. Very on the edge. Yeah. Mm. And so- I guess for whatever reason, I that 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 surprises me. Um, only and maybe because for my husband and I, it's almost been a source of connection. Like here we are, sort of on a desert island, and we have to keep each other safe. And so that's kind of where we're coming from. But my husband and I are having a similar experience to you. Mm. The folks that are coming into my office, and that's a self-selected group, mm-hmm. are having a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So how are you, what are you doing? What's the work there? You know, when, when things feel like they're in a crisis, because we are in a crisis, that translates into that relationship. And so, yeah, what's the work? Well, yeah. What are you doing? So so the first, the first part of the work is about slowing down, Mm. right? And actually allowing ourselves to notice what's that feeling? Mm Mm-hmm. Where do I feel it? What does it feel like? What does it remind me of? Hmm. Is what is coming up right now, is that anxiety? Is it grief? Is it sadness? Is it fear? Is it love? Like, what, what is that feeling? Mm-hmm. Or feelings, you know, I can, I can hold six different feelings at the same time. Oh, my gosh. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I, can right? love, I can love the people in my life and be really irritated with them at the same time. Totally. <laughs> 
So what, what are all those feelings? Mm. And if I can make space just first to sit with them and acknowledge them, Mm-hmm. And that gives me a ton of information. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm sitting with those feelings and then I can say, okay, is that true? Is that happening now? Is that other, in other words, is that historical mm-hmm. or is that current? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I can, and this begins my discernment process. It begins the process of like, all right, all these things are coming over me, but how do I see them? How do I feel about them? Mm. Jules on, on my podcast shared, and I'm, I'm not going to get the neuroscience behind this exactly right, but um, one of the things she shared is that when our brain is processing negative information, mm-hmm. this blew my mind, when our brain is processing negative information, either side, the right side or the left side of our brain can process that and do a really quick scan of our whole nervous system through our implicit memories and our felt senses and our heart brain and our gut brain. And we can get that information super quick, so quick that it happens at a rate of one quarter of one second. Wow. That's negative information. We can Mm -hmm. scan that quickly to process that negative experience. Mm -hmm. But in order to drop in and notice a positive experience, takes 15 to 20 seconds because it has to integrate both sides of our brain. Hmm. That's so interesting. And I mean, I guess it speaks to why it's so easy to be, to hang on to notice, to be aware of the negative versus the positive. Well, we can't get ahead of the negative. Right. There's no, I mean, you can't get ahead of one quarter of one second. Yeah. And, and that type of processing is going to be happening all day long. Mm-hmm. So in order, you know, I, and this is one of the things I tell my clients all the time, we have to mark the things that are going well, even when they don't go perfectly. Yep. Yep. I tell my <laughs> clients the same thing. I say like <laughs> notice and, and yeah, make note of the accomplishments. Like what are you doing that worked? That was yeah. okay. That was good. Right. So I, I share this little story with my clients often. May I share it with, with you and your listeners? I would love it. Okay. Um, I, this, this was just a few weeks ago. I have a tendency towards some anxiety. Mm. And I had been reading the news. <laughs> and um, it was late at night. My husband and I are getting ready for bed. And I start doing one of those, I have to tell you everything that I'm thinking right now so that I'm not holding it all by myself. Are you ready? This is everything I read tonight kind of things. Wow. And he just stood there like a deer in headlights. And his <laughs> body started shaking a little bit, kind of like a dog after a fight, trying to get that, that oh. feeling off of it. <laughs> Right. I just kind of looked at him in that moment and I paused. We've done a lot of work around this. Mm. And I smiled and I said, okay, wait, I see what I'm doing right now. I'm going to go take care of myself in another way. I'm going to go wash this off of me and then I'll come back. Wow. Yeah. That was one time that it worked. It doesn't work all the time. No. <laughs> that was one time where it did. And so after the moment when both of our nervous systems were relaxed, we were able to come back to each other and say, huh, that worked. Thanks mm. for seeing what I needed. Yeah. Thanks, you know, and, and that, that's the dropping in. Now we're having the moment where we go, okay. Mm. I see what was happening there. He wasn't shaking me off because he didn't want to hear what I had to say or he didn't care about me. I could have gone there really quickly. Mm-hmm. 
but he has his own way of processing this and we were getting ready for bed and he didn't really need to take all this on right then. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's what you needed was, I mean, not that you found other ways to handle it, but in that moment, what you wanted was for him to sort of take this on with you. Yeah. I think in that moment, I wasn't even conscious of what I wanted. Yeah. Well, probably not. Right. And, and, And so when I had that moment of awareness of seeing what was happening for him, that's where my consciousness turned on. Mm, yeah, and I I was then able to process it differently because, oh, that's not about me. It's yeah. not about you know how much he cares about me or doesn't. It's not about does he want to be my partner or doesn't he? We have a different way of doing our process. Yeah, yeah. But as you said, you guys have practiced this, and you were able to pause that to, time. Yes, <laughs> that time. Right. Though, but I mean. Giving yourself credit, as you said, that yeah. this time this worked, that this was a moment where you were present enough to know what you needed, you know, right. then step away and find what you needed. Right. And I blow that moment up. I talk about it pretty often, both to my husband and to my clients and on my podcast and with you. I'm talking about it a lot. And each time I do, it's a celebration. And mm. I'm rewiring my brain to remember the time when that worked. Yes, yes, right? yes. I'm giving myself this feedback that says, I could do that more. Mm. That would feel good. That went pretty well when I did it. Yeah. Huh. Check in, see what's happening to him. Watch his face. Watch when he kind of does that little weird twitch. Mm. You know, maybe that's about him. So it's teaching me how to be a better partner for him, but maybe even more importantly, how to show up to take care of myself because if I don't take care of me and I just dump me all over him, that doesn't feel good to either of us because he doesn't really know how to hold that and it's a lot for him. Yeah. You know, right now, we're all living through a shared trauma experience. So it's not like I'm having the trauma and he's not. Yes, it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of us is going through it in different ways. Yeah. And as you said, we are feeling all those really big, big feelings as if, right. I mean, because they are happening right now, but too, because of the traumatic aspect yeah. of it all. Yeah. Mm. Well, it just is so, I mean, I love the brain science behind it, as you said, sort of reminding yourself that this time it worked and this was a positive thing that you want to remember and sort of store in that memory bank that I can do this right. But two, again, as you said, just noticing even the small things that are working, that are are good versus just negative, 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 negative. I think those are so huge. And then the next thing that I do is um, a process that a process that I call the feedback loop. Mm-hmm. It's something that we teach in relational life. Mm. Um, and what it is, is it's this process where both partners take a different role. In other words, when we're talking about difficult things, we can't both be coming at it from, let me tell you my experience at the same time. Mm. Because if we do that, nobody's hearing anybody. Hmm. So we have to sort of assign roles for a short conversation. We don't want these conversations to be long. Mm -hmm. There's a template for it. There's about four parts to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And each of the four kind of prompts or parts are brief. They're like one to two sentences each. I'm not going to dump all over you. 
And because I'm being brief and really thoughtful about this, and because I have this template, you're going to be able to at least stay engaged long enough that maybe you could hear what I'm going to say. So it positions us where as the one who's speaking, I'm coming at this from, let me help you understand what I need Hmm. so that you can help me. And I'm remembering that I'm coming into this conversation as the speaker from a place of love, or at the very least, from a place of, you're not my enemy, and I want to talk to you so that we can make this better. Hmm. I want you to understand this. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And then if I'm listening, I'm listening from a perspective of, I want to understand you. And any, you know, I don't need to agree with anything you're saying. I need to understand it. So any rebuttal that I have can go on the back shelf. I don't need to listen with a rebuttal. Mm -hmm. I need to just drop in and understand this is your experience. Hmm. Well, it sounds so similar to just what we were talking about is like the rebuttal, sort of the going to the negative, like, you know, that's not my, you know, whatever trying right. to rebut versus can I just be open to processing this with both sides of my brain? Yeah. Can I just, can I just listen and hear you? Yeah. Yeah. And I find that this is really hard for some people, like really hard. We, we do a lot, a lot of work to get to the place where we could actually just start listening and mm-hmm. hearing each other. Um, and so what might that sound like? It, it could sound like, you know, the other day when I was standing at the kitchen sink and a bird flew into the window and you laughed. Hmm. So I'm just placing you. I'm telling you, this is the thing that happened. The story that I made up about it was that you laughed because you're really an insensitive human and you don't really care about another form of life. And how that made me feel is like really kind of disgusted and ashamed to be your partner. And what I would like is for you to be more sensitive about other creatures. Hmm. So that might be my entire piece, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I've gotten it through. I've shared it with you. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can take it in. Maybe you can't. But what you're going to start with, if this goes well, is, okay, so you're bringing up that time last week or earlier today when the bird flew into the window and I laughed. And that, you know, the way you saw that was that I was being insensitive. Okay, I can hear that you saw that. I did laugh. I can take responsibility for that. And I can see how um, that might not have been the most sensitive move that I could could have made. I I can try to be more sensitive in the future. Hmm. Hmm. Done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Such an interesting, I mean, it's like slowing down what happened in that moment for each, well, for, yeah, for the, for the teller, I guess, Mm -hmm. the person who's experienced they want to share, but also so that that person who you experienced it with can hear what was going on for you. Yes. And that's the intimate part there. It's that I want to bring you into my thoughts and my feelings. I want you to see into me, right? Mm -hmm. Into me, uh, you see intimacy. I want you Mm -hmm. to see into me. And so if I'm going to let you see into me, then I have to drop my wall 
I have to notice what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. right? Because the thought comes before the feeling. Yep. So what's the thought? And so I'm saying this in a very clear way. First, I'm painting a picture. If there was a video camera, we would have all seen that what happened was I was standing at the sink, a bird flew into the window, you laughed. Mm. Right? It's, that's just the story. Right. And then I'm going to tell you what I made up about it. Yeah. Which is huge because what I'm doing is I'm taking the responsibility that these are my thoughts. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be your reality. Yeah. This doesn't have to be your truth. It's just how I'm experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And that's the intimacy is that I'm sharing that with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll let you in a little bit deeper. I'll let you know what that made me feel. Not what you made me feel, because no person can make another person feel anything, but what my thoughts made me feel. Right. Yeah. I I feel like that is such a fine point right there. Like the it's not what you made me feel it's what my thoughts made me feel because it happens so fast mm-hmm. that sometimes we are we take this experience and and we do put it on other people like this is what you did to me versus the way you did this made me feel this way yeah 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 yeah, I think if there's if there's just a few words that everybody listening to this can leave this conversation with, mm-hmm. it's it's to pick up these words and really start using them in, in your um, way of speech. The story I made up about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so powerful. Yeah, it is. And it's so true too. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I have visions of myself sort of telling a story about what happened. I don't know, something I interpreted and then having to go back and go, okay, like, I just want you to know that's the story that I made up in my head about what just happened over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if people watching, like, oh, yeah. they, they don't like each other. Oh, they're mad. I can see that they're arguing. Like, I don't know. I'm not there. I'm, not, I'm just totally removed from it. But I have made this whole story up in my head about what the reality is. And that's the story that I'm typically reacting to all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I can kind of get in tune with it and recognize, okay, wait, what's the story and what's the feeling that connects to that story? Mm -hmm. And what's that complaint that I have? Okay. How can I turn that complaint into a request that they can actually act on? Because remember my goal here, it's that I want to be understood, but also that I want to make it easy for them to give me the thing that I want. Mm -hmm. So what is it that I want? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to express that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so hard sometimes. And for so many of us, this is the stuff that's getting triggered, right? Because for so many of us, we grew up in homes where if we didn't have a really secure attachment, if we had less than nurturing caregiving in any way, Mm -hmm. um, if we didn't have enough limits set or we didn't get enough nurturing or we didn't have enough guidance... Mm-hmm. Or too many or, limits, or yeah, yeah, exactly, or the opposite side too much nurturing, too much guidance, too much limits. Yeah, then I might take away the message that I either have no needs or no wants, I'm anti dependent, I can do everything myself. Yeah, or I'm overly dependent, I can't do anything on my own, I need you, I'm too dependent, mm-hmm. or I'm needless and wantless. 
I don't yeah. even know what I need and what I want. I've never learned how to develop that because nobody ever really reached in and helped me figure out those needs or wants or attended to them. Yeah. Yeah. Or told me I shouldn't have needs and wants. And so now I don't trust when those needs and wants show up because yeah. I was supposed to not have them. Right. And so those were those early intimate relationships. And mm -hmm. now here I am in other adult relationships or with my kids or with my parents or with my lover. And I don't know how to express my needs and wants again. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so it's almost teaching, not even almost, it's teaching yourself how to validate, recognize, allow all of those feelings. Yeah. And then figure out how to express them in the relationships. And I think one of the one of the particular words that you said there, allow, is a really big part because for so many of us, we tend to cut off certain feelings that we, you know, have associated those aren't good feelings. I don't want to feel that. I'm not an angry person. Right. Right. I'm not defensive. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I don't retaliate. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And yet we're doing all those things. Mm. Right? Or it's the other way. Like, I don't know how to feel love. I, I can't drop into a space of joy. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that feels like. Well, and, and if we're, sh I mean, this is my experience. If we're shutting ourselves off to the, you know, the bad, quote unquote, bad feelings, we can't feel the joy too, because you don't get to select what feelings you feel and don't, right? I mean, no. you're, you're shutting it all down. You're shutting it all down. And when you shut it down, you're shutting down a lot of gifts. Mm. Like anger brings strength. It brings assertiveness. Yeah. Fear yeah. brings wisdom and protection. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Guilt connects us back to our humanity. Yeah. Vulnerability helps connect us to other people with love and compassion. Yeah. Shame helps us to contain ourselves a little bit. Mm. Love helps us to feel connected. Yeah. Pain helps us to grow and heal. Yeah. There's gifts. Yeah. There's gifts. We need all of them. We have to feel them all. So how do you help, you know, couples feel, find that connection in their relationships when things are so filled with crisis and hardness and difficulty and stress? Yeah. So we do a few different things. We, um, we dance between kind of understanding what things were like for them early on, mm -hmm. but I try to tight, uh, tighter that and not do it too much too fast. Mm -hmm. um, and we do a lot of this feedback loop. Hmm. It really is an amazing tool to help us figure out how to go there. Um, yeah. And how to begin to have these conversations. And then I'll coach my clients through it a lot. We go over it over and over again until we start figuring out the words. In the beginning, it feels very, very forced. And I will tell all my clients, you know, you're not going to get this on the first or the 10th time. It's probably like on the 100th time that you're going to get one of these loops that goes really well. Hmm. And then you're going to mess it up a whole bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> Again, it's acknowledging that one, yes, we did it right that time. We did it right that time. It worked. It felt oh, look good at that. that time. Felt good. <laughs> right. And, and then my clients will start telling me, I started using that phrase. I started talking about the story I'm making up in my head and it really, really works. It helps my partner just to hear what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Without judgment, right? Like this is my story. All right. Yeah. 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 
I think it also helps us to recognize that, that the, you know, the person saying this is the story that I made up, that, that, doesn't, that it's not necessarily the truth. That even though I'm feeling this, it doesn't make it true. No. It, it's, it's their version. Yeah. yeah. That's how they saw it through their lens with all of their history. Mm. So if you had some words of wisdom for couples who are struggling right now, what, what would they be? Mm. It would be to slow down. Mm. And to put your feet on the floor and really ground yourself and get your heart rate and your breath under control, however you know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And from that place, open your eyes and look at your partner. Hmm. And to yourself or maybe out loud to them, just acknowledge, I want to understand you and I want you to understand me. You're not my enemy. Hmm. Just start with that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's a nice place to go to, you know, to start with a, like, I, let's start from a place of peace versus a place Mm -hmm. of struggle almost. Yeah. Well, when we're in, when we're in a activated place, we can't connect. Hmm. We have to regulate ourselves first. And that work is not something, I mean, there are different schools of thought here. There are some couples therapists who will say, well, it's your partner's job to regulate you. And there are others who will say, no, that's not the way it is. I'm more of that later group. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are times we regulate each other, Mm -hmm. but I think when things are really, really activated, if we're waiting on our partner to regulate us, we may be waiting for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the time, if couples come to me and say, this is everything that's the matter with my partner, my response, which I borrow from my mentor, Terry Real, mm-hmm. is going to be, okay, you can tell me about your partner. I'm going to keep asking you about yourself. Huh. Yeah. What's yeah. your role in this? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, I mean, that makes so much sense to me. And the fact that I find in my relationship that if, that when I am grounding myself, when I'm regulating myself, when I'm not looking outside me to feel that sense of, not not comfort, because comfort is awesome to be received from somebody else, but that sense of safety in myself, that that just makes it all go better, right? Mm -hmm. For me. Totally. Yeah. You know, there's, there's this other piece that I talk about a lot, and it has a lot to do with self-esteem or relational esteem, how we see ourselves in the world. Mm. But um, one of the parts of this is that it has a lot to do with the energy that we're either projecting inward or projecting outward. Mm-hmm. And if you think of that energy that you're projecting, kind of like a flashlight that you turn on, mm-hmm. And if I point that flashlight at you, the energy is moving towards you. And if I point that flashlight at me, that energy is moving towards me. Hmm. That flashlight can have different energies. For a lot of couples that are getting into trouble, the energy that that flashlight has is contempt. Hmm. So if I shine it on you, I think I'm better than you. And that sounds like, why don't you ever do that thing? You are no good. I know how to do this better. You shouldn't even bother. 
Mm, you and if, never. You <laughs> never, right? <laughs> and if I shine that flashlight at myself, it looks like shame. I don't ever know how to do this thing. Why do I even bother to try? I'm no good. You see, the language is the same. Mm-hmm. It's just the direction of the light that's different. Hmm. So if I'm holding contempt and I'm shining it at myself and I'm feeling shame or I'm shining it at you and I'm feeling better than or grandiose, hmm. right? It feels a lot better, by the way, to shine it at somebody else than it does to shine it at yourself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> so if, if I'm getting caught in there, the work that I have to ultimately learn how to do is turn off the damn flashlight mm. and turn on a different one. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I like to say the one I want to pick up is the one that has the energy of compassion. Right. You right. matter. You're enough. Even with all your imperfections, I matter. I'm enough. Even with all of my imperfections. Well, it's interesting. I was picturing like the contempt flashlight being so bright and blinding and hard to see versus the compassionate flashlight being soft and encompassing and surrounding us. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's just another way of holding ourselves to remind ourselves of our worth, Mm. our inherent, our inherent worth, you know, Mm -hmm. that we all just are born with. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So thank you for those words of wisdom and uh, Mm -hmm. compassion. And um, how about if you tell people how to find you and your work? Yeah. I think the easiest way to find me and all the different things I have my fingers in is over at my website, which is connectfulness.com. Awesome. Well, I will include your... um, all your links in Thank the you. show notes and people can look for them there. But I really, 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 I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot going on with kids at home and life and mm-hmm. your business, but thank you for taking the time to be with us and talk to me today. It was such a pleasure, Bess. Thanks for having me. and Thanks for your listeners tuning in. Ah, that was such a great conversation with Rebecca. I always, always enjoy talking to her. Uh, I've known her for quite a few years, been on her podcast, an earlier version of her podcast some time ago, um, and have worked with her through some writing of my own. And uh, I enjoy the depth and the lightness of the conversation with her, that we can talk about these very deeply held feelings, and yet we can also laugh and have joy and be light in the conversations. So just always a joy to talk to her. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you are a couple that is struggling, I hope that you will find some benefit to that conversation as well. Um, Being stuck in a crisis, especially if you've had trauma, is really hard. It's really hard. It's activating all of our stuff. It's making us feel way more emotional and distressed, which I know I've talked about on other podcasts and in my blog. So just know that you're not alone. Know that you are not alone. This is really hard. And I hope this was helpful. I hope in the coming weeks you will give yourself 
time to pause and be with yourself and check in with how you're feeling and what stories you're telling yourself. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com. Thank you.